All right. Morning. Morning. <clears throat> Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. So um, a lot has uh, happened this past week. Um, you heard about the uh, Lincoln Park uh, High School um, service and outreach. Thank you again for all of you who participated in that. Um, thank you also um, for those of you who in advance are going to be participating um, in our clothing drive. Um, again, uh, we'd like to get ahead of the cold weather. How many people say amen to that? Okay, get ahead of it so that um, people get what they need before uh, the weather hits. And um, also thank you for uh, those of you who have been uh, praying. We actually uh, got back again. Uh, not only do we uh, minister in the city of Chicago, um, but we minister um, again to our Judea Samaria and then ultimately the ends of the earth and um, got back uh, yesterday again from our trip to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Jeremiah was doing a great job uh, discipling, following up these men who were like giving their lives to the Lord. <clears throat> and then and then let me report to you that yet another two men gave their lives to Jesus. OK, and so they are excited about getting into the Word of God, learning um, how to serve Him and walk with Him as we are here in Chicago. And so thank you for your prayers in an ongoing fashion. Uh, so for those of you I don't know yet, my name is Rollin. I'm the, uh, the lead pastor here. It's a pleasure uh, to be with you. And um, today what we're doing is we're continuing a series that we've been going through, which is actually called The Good News According to Luke. The Good News According to Luke. And what we've been doing is we've been going through the Gospel of Luke the uh, third gospel um, in the Bible, which is, uh, again, the, the gospels are the biographies of Jesus. And so the best way to get to know Jesus is to read his biographies, right? Yeah. And so you have uh, four different biographies that you can go directly to the source mm -hmm. and see not only who he is, but what he's done, what he said, and then what we're to do about it, right? And so the fantastic thing about going through a book of the Bible is, is that we read it in such a way where we don't sk skip to our favorite verses and read those over and over again so that we become uh, a little bit uh, morphed, right? <laughs> Anybody ever been to the gym before and seen somebody with a large upper body and tiny little, little legs, <laughs> okay? It means that they were focusing on one thing and not the other, right? Um, we don't want to be like that as Christians, right? We want to be people who are well-rounded and people who can really embrace the whole counsel of God. At the same time, when we go through the uh, Bible and we go through whole books of the Bible, what it does is it also helps us to be confronted with things that we otherwise would want to skip over. How many people know that? That's true, too. Okay? And so today, I love it because we're in one of those chapters where we would otherwise potentially skip over it, but not today. Everybody say that with me. Not today. <laughs> okay. Not today. We're going to get into this word and allow Jesus to speak for himself. So the focus of this um, message today is this. To truly walk with Jesus, you need to ask yourself where you find your loyalties, your treasure, and your life. To truly walk with Jesus, you need to ask yourself where you find your loyalties, your treasure, and then ultimately your life. And so to do that today, we're going to break the message down into three parts. We're going to ask the question, number one, where are your loyalties? Number two, we're going to ask the question, where is your treasure? And then finally, we're going to ask the question, where's your life? How many people think those are good questions to ask? Okay, and so we're going to pray, and then we'll get to it. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us, that we might judge ourselves, that we ourselves might not fall under your judgment. 
God, we're asking you that today we would hear the voice of not only your word, but the Holy Spirit that's speaking to us, that would help us to identify where we are and how we're living, that we might reorient ourselves in um, submission to you and in holy faith and obedience to you. Whether we've come in serving you or not, God, may this be a day where we come to repentance and greater faith in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to start by asking the question, where are your loyalties? And let me just say this when we're answering this question. My encouragement to all of us is let's stop being closet Christians. Is that all right to say? Yeah. Let's stop being closet Christians. Let's come on out and let's like be loud and proud that we love the living God, right? We live in a city where people are talking about what they're loud and proud about, right? But how about Jesus lovers being loud and proud about him? Jesus lovers being loud and proud about how he's saved us, redeemed us, changed our lives, and actually has good news and a good hope for the world that does not yet know him. And so whenever Jesus is talking about this portion of scripture, we see that the times in which we live will test your integrity and ultimately your loyalty to Christ. The times in which we live will test your integrity and loyalty to Christ. Will you be the same person no matter who you're with, who you're around, what you're doing, or what messages are surrounding you. Because how many people know that in our city there are pressures that rise, in our nation there are pressures that rise that don't push you towards God but away from him. And what we've got to do is actually be people of integrity who actually cling to Jesus in our love for Jesus, no matter who we are with, what we're doing, or who we find ourselves around. Let's read. In verse, um, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say, meaning Jesus, to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing covered up. There is nothing covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, what you have, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. How many people have found that to be true before, even when you're relating with people, right? That's why gossip is not good, because eventually, how many people have butt-dialed somebody before you thought would never hear what you had to say, and then all of a sudden they heard all your business because you were on speakerphone hearing about... You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it will be shouted from the rooftops. Let's go on. But I will warn you not to fear them. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can undo. But I warn you to whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Talking about God. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And all the bald people said, Amen. Okay? <laughs> Fear not. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. 
So these are, this is one of those self-explanatory scriptures, right? Jesus says, if you love me, then acknowledge me. And don't just acknowledge me in your private place. Don't just acknowledge me in your private time with the Lord. Acknowledge me before people. Acknowledge me when people who even don't know me yet don't love me yet are around because how are they going to come to know me if you don't acknowledge them before me, right? And God's saying, ultimately, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. If you don't acknowledge me before men, I will deny you before the angels and before my Father in heaven. So here's the point. Don't do it. How about this? When I got married, when I got married, how many people know that it became a public thing and not a private thing any longer? No matter the affections that I had for my wife privately before I went to that altar, when I said I do, and that's actually what's inscribed on the inside of my ring, when I said I do, I told the world on display that I'm forever off the market. That's right, done. And so is my wife. You hear that? No, just <laughs> okay. Off the market. Okay? I belong to her, she belongs to me, and I love. I love telling my um, people about my baby, right? I love going everywhere I can, talking about the excellencies of my wife, how beautiful she is, how energetic she is, how wise she is, how she just ran the Chicago Marathon while I was by the sidelines <laughs> clapping slowly. Okay? I love telling everybody, telling everybody about my wife, and how much more so should we be excited to tell people about our God? How much more so should we be willing to tell people about our Jesus who loved us, died for us, saved us by his resurrection from the dead? And actually, she treats people not as they deserve, but ultimately is looking to people give people grace and treat them as they don't deserve. Isn't that good news? That the message that we carry is a message of God's grace, where he says, listen, I want to show you mercy withholding you from you what you actually deserve, and I want to show you grace giving to you what you don't deserve. That was ultimately made available through the cross, so we've got to, even in the face of opposition, be people who know where our loyalties lie. Know where our loyalties lie, and ultimately they need to lie with Jesus. How many people can say amen to that? Amen. All right, so let's move on. We are to have our loyalties lie with Jesus. But the next question is, is not just where our loyalties lie, but where's our treasure? And the times in which we live will expose what is in our hearts and show us where our hearts truly lie. And let me tell you, the reason that this is the case and when we, he associates it with treasure is because not only is there a pressure to deny the Lord, the commands of the Lord, the holiness of God, and actually the ways of God, but there is a pressure in this world to live like everybody else. To live like everybody else. Pastor Cole referenced this, pa this past week when he was talking about God wanting to deliver us from FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And people living in an idea of YOLO, right? You only live once. How many people know that Jesus said something different? You don't live just once. You're going to rise, face a judgment, and then either face a second death or actually have eternal life in him. So there's no YOLO about it. Jesus said, I'm coming back and I want to see you there with me, right? So let's continue to read. Where do our treasures lie? Jesus was speaking and said in verse 13 that someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? 
Now, Jesus was not saying that he does not have the authority or the um, opinions about every aspect of our life and could dictate every aspect of our life. But he is saying, hey, listen, I'm on a specific mission right now. Don't get me off track. Okay? Who's made me an arbitrator or judge over you? And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Covetousness. And so much of that unhappiness in the world today is because of that sin of covetousness. Trying to be something, have something, or experience something that you have not yet, other people have, and then therefore you're upset with your own life and the life that God's trying to bless you with because you don't have what others have. That's the sin of covetousness. And it ultimately leads to people's unhappiness. Always looking for the greener pasture. Always looking for someone else's activity. Always looking for someone else's bank account. Someone else's spouse. Someone else's children. He said, be free. And be on your guard against all types of covetousness. Why? Because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, my goodness. Does this not sound like the world in which we live? Has anyone spoken to their soul recently and said, hey, I've got a goal. It's called the American dream. And I'm going to store up for myself as much as I can to get to the mountaintop. And then once I get there, I will relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Is not that the message we hear preached over and over again to us on every social media feed, in every workplace, in every neighborhood, maybe in your friendship group? This is the message that we hear preached. But what would you see that Jesus responded, how Jesus responded to this message? It said, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God, but God said to him, fool. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But God said, fool. Now, I don't know about you. I like hearing from God, but I don't want to hear this. <laughs> fool, this night your soul is required of you. This night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's saying, if you live like this, not only will you hear the word fool, but your life will be demanded of you too. And then he'll say, Where, who is going to get what you've stored up for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who is rich towards their pleasures, rich towards their experiences, rich towards all of the things that other people are living for, but not rich toward God. Is that not what he just said? See, this is one of the things that we like to skip past, right? If we were reading our Bible, we, this isn't usually the one we 
use to encourage ourselves <laughs> and meditate on. But it's what Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, we need to deal with it. The truth is, it's not wrong to have a blessed life. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. It's not wrong to have a blessed life, but it is wrong to sacrifice the pursuit of the kingdom of God for that life. The parable of the rich fool is speaking directly to the American dream and what our generation feels like it's its inalienable right to unlimited worldly success and pleasure. People live for themselves and their own personal enjoyment with no regard for the future, the kingdom of Christ, or standing before God in judgment. What they look like is this. Can you throw up that picture, please? This becomes their ambition and goal, right? <laughs> right? Snoop and Andy, right? Snoop, double OG, right? And by seeing that commercial before, okay, whatever. So the point is, this is what we want to live like. But the truth is, is that if we're sacrificing the pursuit of God and his kingdom for this, we're in sin. Do you hear me? If we're sacrificing the pursuit of God and his kingdom for this, you're living in sin. How do we know this? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul the apostle was speaking, and he said, But understand this, that in the last days, and do, be, be sure of this, we are in the last days, because we've been in the last days since Jesus resurrected from the dead. He says, Be sure of this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of what? Pleasure. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. What does God say? Avoid such people. Now, he's not talking about unbelievers because, of course, unbelievers live this way. When you don't know Jesus, you're enslaved to this type of mentality, thinking this is the source of your happiness, though it's not, and then you have to live this way until you're set free. He's not talking about avoid such people in that regard. He's talking about people who call on the name of the Lord but live as if they don't. And if you find yourself in such a scenario, he says there's no condemnation. He says come to repentance. Change your mind, go in a different direction, be washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, and actually give yourself in faith to a new hope, an eternal hope that he actually has for you. One that cannot spoil, perish, or fade. That's the good news of the gospel. Say it one more time, God wants to free you from FOMO. God wants to give you a proper perspective of YOLO. But God will judge how we spend our time, talent, and treasure. The question is, how is he going to judge you? <clears throat> Moving on. Where's your life? The times in which we live will require us to determine from what source we're actually seeking our life. Now, let me tell you this. Ultimately, everything that we have and that we've been given by God to enjoy life with is ultimately a stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Stewardship. 
your time, your life, your resources, your talents, they are all a stewardship unto God. And as soon as we can embrace that, the sooner we'll be able to walk in the freedom and the power that God has for us, the joy that God has for us in this life. Because we'll not just be about on the rat race trying to reach some unattainable goal, but we'll be about God's business and not just our own. And this is what Jesus said when he's talking about where you find your life. Let's go to verse 35 in chapter 12. He says, stay dressed. Stay dressed. Stay dressed for action. And whose responsibility? It's mine to keep my lamp burning. Keep your lamps burning for Jesus. Don't let it go out. He says, we should be zealous for the Lord always. Not just sometimes, always. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Isn't that what the scripture says? So whose responsibility is it? Is it God's or mine? It's mine to fan into flame the fervor that he lit inside of me. He said, keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. How many people want to actually meet Jesus and have him say, blessed are you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. Not a temporary one, but an eternal one. How many people would enjoy that? Okay, everybody just put your hands up for my sake, okay? <laughs> yes, every one of you would, even if you don't know it, okay? You want this. But know this. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is ultimately making his return, and he says, hey, listen, stop reading all those apocalyptic periodicals. You're not going to know. He's coming at an hour when you don't expect. So what is he saying to do? Be ready. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give him their food por a portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But, everybody say but. But, but if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming. Anybody been serving God for a while and it seems like a while? Since you've been serving God and you're like, where is his coming? Seems like things were kind of getting tense in our communities and society. It's like, where is his coming? No, just me? Okay. <laughs> if the, the servant says, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. Eat and drink and get drunk, right? Because God will forgive me anyway, right? We all need a little release sometimes, the pressures of life. Under pressure, right? <laughs> we all need a little relief. And if he's delayed in coming, delayed in his promises, and what I do in response to get a little relief is begin to eat, drink, and get drunk. 
How's he say he's going to respond? The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. What? Jesus. Meek and mild Jesus. This isn't one of the fire and brimstone prophets. This is Jesus, our Savior. I'm sorry it's not red letter up there right now, but it's, it's a red letter. This is Jesus speaking. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. <laughs> so one way or another, if we're not getting ready and acting according to what he says, a beating's coming. <laughs> he's not talking to the world who are unfaithful. He's talking to his servants. It puts me in check. Anybody else? Everyone to whom much was given, of much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Talking about him going to the cross for us. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? People are always talking about the greatest form of love is tolerance to all things. That's not love. That's enabling someone else's death. He said, don't come think I've come to give peace to the earth. He said, I didn't come to give peace, but rather division. For from now on in one house... There will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter um, against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You were like, that already happens. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But he said, he also said, he also said to the crowds, he also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? You know, Jesus said something in Matthew 24. He said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. It's not a surprising thing to God that wickedness is increasing in our land, in our country, in our nations. Jesus said it would happen. But he says, I'm telling you this in advance so that your love won't grow cold. For me, for others, for my kingdom, for my purposes. In the midst of the things that would try to squelch your faith, your focus, and your vision to serve God in his kingdom, 
He said, make sure you're finding your life in the right place. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples in John chapter 4, he said, listen, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Some of us are going to God looking for a revival in our souls, and we think that we're going to find it by just sitting on a beach somewhere, meditating, becoming, you know, coming into touch with ourselves, not knowing that true life is only found in Jesus, and the way that you'll find life is by connecting to him, not going deeper into the depths of your own brokenness. Jesus says, find life in him. He lived perfectly, sinlessly, to show us the way. He says, now be about my business, like I am, like I was with my father's business. And I'll show you the life that is truly life. We need to be those who are discerning enough to know from what other sources we've been looking for life and turn from the false gods that have been actually sucking life from us rather than giving it to us. The question is, what have you been looking for for life, for happiness, for enjoyment, for your sense of, this gives me meaning? Is it the purposes of God? If not, it's going to fail you. It will ultimately come crashing down and to boot be judged. But God says today we can turn to him and actually be those who not only find our loyalties with him, our rich towards him, but also find our real life, true life, not just eternal life, but life abundant now in him. Do you remember that's what Jesus said he came to give you? He said there's a real devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And there are only two options. Either you're going to walk with him, or Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Life abundant. As you don't live for fleeting things, but invest your life in what's eternal in him can never perish spoil or fade in Jesus name amen, amen. amen. chapter 12 <laughs> let's pray father we thank you so much for your word to us today God we thank you that you've given it to us never to condemn but to lift people into life, liberty, and the hope of eternal things in you. And God, we're praying that you would deliver each and every one of us today from the lesser things. God, the lesser things that promise life but really don't give it. The lesser things that try to be a substitute for you but inevitably fail us. Time after time after time. Whether it be relationships, a career, a sense of identity, Outside of you, God, we pray that every man and woman in here would be delivered from the lesser things in Jesus' name. And if you say today, I need help, 
I need God's help today in my heart of hearts to be delivered from those lesser things that are not eternal but are fleeting, passing, and fading. I want you to raise your hand. Just focus on God. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here that, God, you would meet them where they are today and as they read your word, as they pray and they meditate on your promises, that you would lift their eyes in faith to the great hope, the living hope that's found in Christ alone. God, I pray that not only would you set them free, but you would give them power to live differently after this moment. That, God, they would begin ordering their days differently. They would begin ordering their resources differently. They would be order, begin reordering their time to reflect being a servant of you. That, Father, everything that they do would be oriented around seeing Jesus one day and, him hearing, and hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that you would empower them with your grace unto that cause in Jesus' name. And everybody keep your eyes focused on God. And if there's anyone else who says, you know what, truth be told, that's not only my struggle, but I've never submitted my heart, my life to Jesus Christ. When we were reading that scripture in 2 Timothy about what marks the last days, that was a reflection of my own life. I live in rebellion. I live in sin. I live for myself before God. And I know that if I were to stand before God in judgment today, I would not stand before God as a friend but as a foe. But I've heard the good news that Jesus came and lived that sinless life for me that I couldn't live and died sacrificially on that cross, the death I should have died. And three days later was raised from the dead so that I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in him. But I know that today's my day. I need to turn and run to the cross. I need to run to Jesus for new life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone in here? We always like to make sure. It applies to people online too. If you are responding today, there are people who can pray with you online. So you can click the button and people will stand with you and talk to you about next steps about how to respond to Jesus. Is there anyone at all who says, Jesus, this is my time. I want to submit my life to you. Well, Father, I pray that, Father, anyone in here who needs you today would be convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin, righteousness, and your judgment to come. And that it wouldn't cause condemnation, but it would release your grace to give them the ability by your kindness to turn in repentance to you and put their faith in what you've done to eternally and forever change them. God, we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many people can thank God for his good news towards us? Anybody feel a little bit freer? Come on now. I do. Preaching to myself. <laughs> preaching to myself because we've got an eternal hope in him and he's got it for each and every one of us in here so let's rise to our feet and worship the living God and then we're going to during worship celebrate the sacrament of communion where we're keeping the main thing the main thing and honoring Jesus for what he's done for us